Hello out there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm Caleb, joined by Pauline and Alan, and we have a lot of Gamecock stuff to talk to you about this week, although I assume most of you right now are watching March Madness, so we're talking to you after, most likely, but that's fine. Um, you know, Furman, already... Some of us are watching Call to Charleston right now, too, but it's <laughs> yeah, all good. Yeah, we're, we can multitask. Um, keep us updated on how that ends up, Alan. Um, but yeah, Furman already moved on, so we might have an all-state all of South, South Carolina, Carolina mid-majors, yeah. That'd be dope. Clemson and South Carolina couldn't get in, but Furman called to Charleston sure could. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about March Madness later in the show, give our final four picks. Obviously talk about the women's uh, bracket a good bit because South Carolina is the number one overall seed and should have um, an interesting path to attempt their repeat. Um, before we get into all of that, though, spring practice is back. There's some recruiting news. There's all sorts of football stuff going on. I feel like we just finished football, but here we are. We're back. Um, so before we get into spring football, which started on Tuesday, Tuesday. it kicked yeah. off on Monday with uh, Pro Day, but you know, official practice started on Tuesday. Um, let's talk recruiting for just a second. I will have a full weekly recruiting wrap-up posted either later tonight or tomorrow, probably tomorrow, if I know myself, um, including a visitors list because I'm expecting quite a few visitors this weekend. And there's already been some visitors on campus this week. Um, those include wide receiver Micah Gilbert, running back Anthony Carey, and perhaps the most intriguing from a uh, just like immediate sort of news standpoint, Josiah Thompson was on campus on Tuesday. That's in-state O-lineman from Dillon. Um, I've had a future cast in for him since December uh, to South Carolina. And then coincidentally, right, uh, Tuesday afternoon, he tweeted that he has made up his decision. So, you know, there's a lot of good positive momentum that says that that should be good news for South Carolina, unless he went on Tuesday and had a terrible time and decided that he, he is uh, not going to go there, but um, that wouldn't be my guess. So uh, kind of keep some, keep your eyes peeled for Josiah Thompson news, but um, some other 2024 recruits on campus this weekend, and I will have that full list out for you. Like I said, tomorrow, um, let's talk football though, right? So Monday started with pro day. You guys were both able to attend that. I know Pauline got some pretty good shots there, but um, for the most part, what I heard is you, couldn't see a ton of what was happening. Uh, we got some times afterwards. I know Josh Van ran a 4-4-3, which is really good news after his uh, knee injury that he suffered against Clemson near the end of the season. So good to see him back at full speed. Did you guys have any other notes from Pro Day on Monday? It's good to hear some of the guys talk. We got to talk to, I mean, Rush Smith. I'm trying to think. Rush Smith, Douglas, Pickens, Adkins. Uh, there, there were a couple others afterwards. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good to hear them. It's good to see how they do in the draft. I think you're looking at probably four Gamecocks getting drafted here, probably. You've got Smith, Rush, Pickens for sure. Gwynn should get picked. I don't know if someone else might slide into seventh round or something, but definitely those four. And I still think Cam Smith could go in the first round if the right team falls in love with him. 
I feel like you could see maybe a Nate Adkins get picked up late. Um, I know that he's bringing a lot to the table from a utility. He's, here's a fun note for, for those of you who are, this one obviously won't affect South Carolina because he's not playing anymore, but he was long snapping at pro day. It's something NFL teams want to see him do just a way to get himself extra reps. Uh, he spent pro day long snapping. And that is one thing I noticed. Uh, we're going to get to this in a second, but we had the coordinators on yesterday. Um, yes. And Pete Lim Limbo talked about special teams and how that does make some of these guys that are sort of fringe guys more attractive to these NFL teams because you only have so many that you sign to an active NFL roster. So if you have a person that can play their position but also can start on special teams, that's uh, a big win for a lot of those guys. Yeah, and that's I do think that'll help get a few of these guys at least UDFA spots, if nothing else, going into camp. All right, the big questions about spring practice. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of questions, obviously, but I think the things, especially as a recruiting website, uh, that most people tend to be interested in are the newcomers. Um, I know that some of the coordinators talked about guys like Nicholas Harbor, five-star, he's not there yet. Um, but then there are several other guys that enrolled early. Pup Howard comes to mind, who's probably going to play a good bit this year at linebacker. Um, you have... Uh, Jalen Kilgore there. Desmond yes, uh, Zulu, who's another guy that's probably going to be relied on early. And I, it was good to hear that um, Clayton White thinks that he's going to be a force in the run game. Maybe not as a freshman, which is what we've said, but um, still, I mean, that means he's got pretty good size walking in the door. Um, what did you notice from that first spring practice? I know you guys got the first six periods or so on Tuesday. Go ahead, Pauline. You got something? Um, I mean, I was focused on the quarterbacks a lot in the back, but it, I don't want to say anything too soon because it really wasn't the first practice. I still think um, when I talked to Mo Kaba last week, he said that he doesn't think he's going to be participating in spring practice. I don't know um, if there are any other key players that are out right now. That like hands probably not going to be full. Sure, yeah, Strong's not participating. You've got Tonka Hemingway and Case and Henry also were off to the side injured. Um, and David Spaulding yeah. is still limited too, but he's he was out there. You do I mention mean, the quarterbacks. Good, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is that um, really yeah. just a lot on that in the recruiting? Uh, yeah, so. I guess. Something that um, I heard from that day was Lenore Sellers was getting some early reps and then several coordinators and Shane Beamer himself, I think, uh, talked about how they've like seen him being the last person off the field. Um, someone was, I think it might've been Beamer was talking about seeing him from the office being- I think, yeah, he's got a cannon like that. That's nothing new. I think all of us know he's got arm strength. Um, Lenore Sellers has a cannon. Yeah, and that's really interesting, right? Because this is this in-state kid was a late offer, blew up uh, as a senior, um, and yet he's one of the most talked about guys already um, as an early enrollee in this spring camp. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Obviously, he's not going to push for the starting job no, here or anything like that. But That's kind of more your depth chart stuff. What does that mean for Tanner Bailey? What does that mean for Colton Gauthier? What does that mean for kind of the rest of the room? Obviously, you would be looking at a series of disasters if you ever needed Lenora Sellers to play in 2023 with Spencer and Luke still here. But he's here and he seems to be making an impression. Yeah, and an, another thing that I saw from uh, the coordinators was, I, I believe it was Clayton White mentioned 
that it feels like this team is all on the same page from like want to be here and effort and all that stuff. And it it seems like that's why they're giving someone like Sellers uh, early reps or whatever is he's kind of immediately bought in. Um, And I do think, you know, obviously there's some questions because of the defections to the portals, including big names like Marshawn Lloyd and uh, Jordan Birch last off season. But I do think there's something to be said that it seems like, the core of the team, everyone wants to be there and everyone is kind of working together for that goal. And we're going into year three, right? So uh, you don't really have that many Muschamp guys left hanging around. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. I was focused on um, the O-linemen's like yep. when I was, was uh, pictures. Yeah, and they did honestly seem like, even though we had major gaps that we were missing once the season ended, I think they looked still pretty like good as a unit and they were still working like I don't know I don't know what your take was Alan but I thought that they looked maybe they're not like amazing but as a team they're blending very well together I think. Uh, my take is more just who's I wrote about this yesterday on the website if you're subscribed you uh, read that um, I was more looking at all right, who's playing center? Because you've had Eric Douglas. I mean, Eric Douglas has played center literally every single game of the Shane Beamer era. That's not exaggeration. Uh, he's graduated now. He's not here. Um, and right now, we when we were out there, Vershawn Lee was taking the snaps. Um, we know Nick Gargiulio has also been doing that. It's kind of the two front runners now. But Dallas Loggins and Shane Beamer both talked about needing to get as many guys ready at that position as possible just because you never know when you're going to need someone to direct traffic in the middle of the offensive yeah, line. Nick- playing in this uh I could see Nick playing this season I think they're I mean yeah I think he still could be the starting center I don't think Vershawn Lee taking snaps in period one of practice one of spring ball as much as we want to read into that stuff it doesn't necessarily mean that on September 1st Gershulio won't be the one snapping the ball to Spencer on the first play yeah so uh Beamer kind of joked with you guys in his opening statement the other day that you were all uh, like furiously writing down every, you know, can't confirm. Can't confirm. <laughs> every starter. So just for those that are curious, and again, huge grain of salt, it's the first day of spring practice, not even fall practice, but the five starting O linemen were Jalen Nichols at left tackle, Ja'Kai Moore at left guard, Vershawn Lee at center, like you said, Trey Jones at right guard, and Tyshawn Wanamaker at right tackle. Um, but we could still see a lot shake up between now and the end of August. Um, but it, it's an interesting note uh, that there's. I think Case and Henry's going to push for that right tackle job. He played there a little bit last year at mop up. I think the staff kind of likes him and obviously he's hurt right now, but I don't think that's going to be, I don't know if that's not, that's not going to be Wanamaker, but I think there's a battle there once Case and Henry's healthy going into the fall. First, yeah. Not a battle at the secured spot eventually. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, they really have a lot of depth coming up in the next couple of classes. Um, So, you know, you have that veteran presence that have played a lot of games, not necessarily started every game, but played a lot of games over the last three years. Um, But then you are going to start to see, I think, some of those guys work their way in. You got Casey Henry, you got the four stars from the 2023 class, Marky Anderson, uh, Tosin Babalade. Um, And then we're already off to a, a fast start with 2024 class. Camp Pringle, who's the number two rated yep. offensive lineman in the whole class. Um, we just talked about Josiah Thompson. If he does end up at South Carolina, he's another uh, four-star. Uh, so 
it seems like they've really kind of stacked the depth there. Now it's just bridging the gap until all of those guys mature. Yeah, and that's obviously it all starts up front. Uh, you feel good about your quarterback situation. You feel good about your receiver situation with juice back, but you win and lose up front. I don't think anybody's would argue with that. Another big storyline for spring that we we kind of previewed last week is we have a new offensive coordinator. Um, so we haven't gotten a ton of FaceTime with Dowell Loggins. We had his uh, opening press conference, but he spoke with the media yesterday. Um, were there any takeaways that you had, Alan, from uh, his media availability? Um, one thing I kind of noticed was he was talking about Trey Knox, who came with him to Arkansas, uh, being very helpful and kind of uh, taking on a leadership role on offense and, and helping other people get up to speed with some of the language, because obviously he's using some of that language that he used in Arkansas. Yeah, I obviously there's, this is a whole new tight end. We've talked about that at length. Um, Elksnes, Knox, um, it, it does look different. Josh Simon, it's Trey Knox. I mean, that guy was a receiver by trade. He's got the size. He's got... He's got the speed. He's got the familiarity with logins, like you said. I we did see, for what it's worth, um, again on that little set, whatever you want to call it, with the five offensive linemen. It was Rattler at quarterback, Juju at running back, and then your four playmakers, I guess, skill position players split out. It was Juice, Trey Knox, Leggett, and Amarian Brown. So I think you could see something close to that skill position wise in September. I definitely think Trey Knox is a He's a different kind of tight end to what this this program had last year. And that's something Shane Beamer talked about too. Yeah. And then I guess another note offensively, and and Loggins talked a little bit about this, was DeCarian Joyner got a few snaps at running back. Um, you know, he's been kind of a utility knife the entire uh Swiss Army knife, you know, whatever you want to call him, the entire his entire career here. Um, but at a at a position that's very thin right now, which um Loggins kind of pushed back at the idea that it was thin, right? He was like, you, you coach who you got. Um, but it, we can say it. We're not in the, in the room. There's two scholarship running backs on the roster. That, yeah. That's thin. That right. just is. Um, so, yeah, that could be interesting if he, he, if he kind of develops into someone that's taking carries out of the backfield a little bit. I, see, I think he could do it. He would have to bulk up a little bit, which then might hurt uh, his draft stock at NFL or at wide receiver. Um, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Also, we talked about how there's going to be a portal window that opens back up here in a couple of weeks. I still think running back is someone is a position that they're going to yeah. target. I think it's non-negotiable. They're going to need at least one back in the portal. There's just not enough bodies in that room. Loggins, he can say what he wants about liking who's there and that's fine. And I don't even think he's necessarily lying, but there's not enough bodies there to go into a season. There's, there's just not. You can like um, people, but you can't chance the fact that we wouldn't have any. I mean, that's just such a position of injury, especially when you think about your two guys there now or a guy who's five foot seven and a guy who's never played D1 football. That's all you got at running back right now on scholarship. You're going to have to get another one. Yeah, exactly. Um, he did also, he was one of the people that were um, complimentary of Lenore Sellers already. Um, he says there's not really a depth chart at quarterback yet, but he called out Sellers by name, said he had a great offseason, gotten some reps because of the way that he's worked and competed, um, which if you guys saw that 
video that we retweeted uh, from Gamecock Football, and we also posted it on the Insiders Forum of the winter workouts. Um, I think we mentioned this last week. Lenore Sellers went up like 150 pounds in his squad or whatever, um, which, you know, that's the difference between a high school weight program and a college weight program. But still, I mean, that's that's him putting in the work. He, he obviously showed up uh, as a man on the, on a mission. For sure. Um, what about the other coordinators? Pete Limbo is always a fun uh, <laughs> interview. Um, Clayton White, anything kind of come out of those? I don't have much to say about Pete other than I enjoy listening to him talk. It's just fun. Yeah. He's mentioned they're going to revamp Gunner. They lost some guys there this year. But that special teams is so – I don't want to say like self-sufficient because obviously a lot of work goes into it. But Kai Kroger's back. Mitch Jeter's back. Like, Pauline, I don't know if you're trying to talk. You're kind of muted right now. But – can't hear you, but Kai Kroger's back. Mitch Jeter's oh, okay. back. Oh, go ahead. Can you hear me now? Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, after you said self-sufficient, I was going to say, you don't got to worry about them. Like, Nope, that, that's the way to put it. You, you're Nobody's worried about Kai Kroger and Mitch Jeter, which kind of, not to think the purpose of Pete Lembo talking, but it does take away a lot of what people would normally ask. Right, and then we already made the note that um, he talked – that Clayton White talked about Desmond Umiozulu. Um, eventually, Donovan Westmoreland playing edge right now. It's another position of kind of thin depth that we talked about. They're kind of working them out there. Yeah, which um, I was mistaken the other day. I was talking in the Slack and I said that I thought he got um, uh, recruited as a safety. He got recruited as a linebacker with the idea that he could uh, bulk up and play edge a little bit. So. He's still not quite as big as you'd like. He might be very useful in pass rushing situations, um, but he has put on some size. Well, speaking of that, here's something people might enjoy. At the very end of the presser, just he got a quick little question about, so is Nick Harbour going to play any defense? Because if you'll remember early on in that recruiting, that was part of the process. And Clayton said, obviously, he'd love to have him. You know, if they want to have the conversation with Shane, he's not going to say no, but he thinks that would be like an extreme end of game, end of half third and 20 pass rush like he there's a role for him on defense maybe but I wouldn't expect that but clearly Clayton White's thought about it because he was able to tell us quickly what he would want to do with him <laughs> yeah I think it would also be fun to put him in that uh like on special teams and try to block uh field goals what was like what was that guy's name from uh Florida that used to be just like a specialist on that he was a D oh uh, I know who you're talking about I'm blanking the name but yeah just someone with freakish athleticism and height and kind of just get up and block a field goal. Yeah. So maybe we'll see, see something like that because we, we see starters on special teams all the time. Anyway. Sorry. Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, we weren't even just like able to see the pro day, like people like jump. So I don't know. I don't know. I just thought that was funny. A little connection. in. Yeah. Which but, Josh Van also put in a pretty good vertical 38 inches, 36 inches, something almost four feet. Pretty, pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, they definitely intentionally try to keep uh, the media at arm's length on that. Another quick pro day note, uh, all 32 NFL teams had a representative mm -hmm. um, on campus for that. So, but yeah, we'll have more spring practice insights uh, as we get more availability. We posted the full schedule on GameCockScoop.com last week. If you want to go check that out, I think you can also find it on uh, the university website or whatever. Um, and there's several other media available availability opportunities. But 
it's a crazy week. There's a ton going on. So uh, let's move on to the next thing. We got women's basketball. The women's basketball tournament is starting this weekend. South Carolina, of course, is in the Columbia Regional. Um, and they have Norfolk State in the first round. Um, that is tomorrow. Tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Um, the other, well, it'll be a little after 2 probably. The other game's at 11.30, and then it's like 30 minutes after the first game ends. So probably a little bit after 2 uh, live on ESPN tomorrow. Yeah, and we we kind of talked over the last several weeks about who could end up in their regional. Um, and really, due to unfortunate circumstances, um, it's worked out pretty well for them. So the three seed is Notre Dame, but we just found out that they are missing one of their key players um, for Olivia Miles. Yeah, season. she's done for the tournament with a knee injury. That sucks, but it, it does kind of work for South Carolina. And then, if I'm not mistaken, UCLA also has an injury. They are down a player. They're the four seed. Um, that would be your, if the chalk holds, that would be your Sweet 16 game next Saturday in Greenville, uh, which I think is super interesting just because UCLA was the only team all year who came to Colonial Life Arena and held South Carolina within single digits. They're the only one. Yeah, so so that's kind of interesting that you, that's kind of interesting that your three and four seed are not quite at 100%. And then your two seed there is Maryland, um, which is a dangerous team. But well, you, you did beat in the regular season, but their best player, Diamond Miller, was not healthy for that game. So it kind of works the other way. They've gotten healthy at the right time, but you wouldn't see them until the Elite Eight. Right. If at all. So I'm, relative to other paths, South Carolina is a pretty easy path, although the Final Four matchup is kind of what we thought the national championship matchup would be, which is would be Stanford, right? Stanford's the one seed um, on the same side. So that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I thought it'd be kind of fun if we all looked at our Sweet 16 and yep. just kind of like went yeah. from there. Um, Pauline, you have yours pulled up? Call the Charleston's down three in the last minute, by the way. They're hanging in, but they got to get a bucket. They're on defense. They need to hope for some missed free throws and hit a three. All right. Well, if if they hit one, we'll let you just take over the play-by-play for a second. <laughs> um, so, yeah, let's I, – I didn't want to go all the way through all 64 teams from the women's bracket or whatever, but let's start at the round of 16 for your bracket, uh, and then we'll kind of go in from there. So I'll go first, and then uh, – Pauline and then Alan. So if I'm, let's just go region by region. If I'm looking at the Greenville one region, my round of 16 matchups are of course, South Carolina and UCLA. Um, and then I have Creighton and Maryland from that Greenville one region in the sweet 16. So a little bit of a, of a upset. I have Creighton over Notre Dame, obviously because uh, that injury. Miles. Yeah. That's the same four I had. I had Notre Dame before this morning when I found out about Olivia Miles. Um, Creighton's a dangerous team. Obviously, South Carolina fans know about them. They went to the Elite Eight as a 10 seed last year and played South Carolina. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of where I am too with that. You've got what is that? The one, two, four, and six seeds in that region. That's yeah, that's correct. Pauline, who do you have in your round of 16 for the Greenville One region? I had South Carolina. UCLA, Creighton, um, Maryland's I'm, their fourth I'm, one. My, because I like choosing upsets too, and you got Arizona. Yeah, mm. <laughs> that's one. Of that would be a big upset. Yeah, that would talk about things that would really, really 
make this path easier for South Carolina would be Maryland going out on the first weekend. No, yeah, because then in that scenario, your first, your highest seed that you're going to have to play is for UCLA, and they're a little bit bag- banged up. So um, let's go to our Seattle four region. I'm just going by the way it's laid out in Yahoo. So sorry if I'm jumping around for you guys. Uh, the Seattle four region, Sweet 16, I have Stanford versus Texas. So very chalky there. And then I do have an upset, Colorado upsetting Duke to get to the Sweet 16 to play Iowa. So one and four versus six and two. Uh, yeah, I went even further on the upset train um, in that regional. I do have Stanford. I have Stanford and Louisville as, as my top two there. I think Louisville can beat Texas. I do think the Big 12 as a league was kind of down this year. I don't. I tend not to trust teams in the Big 12. It's also why I had Oklahoma losing to UCLA. And I always try to pick one double-digit seed to get to the Sweet 16 because there's always at least one. And I got 11 Middle Tennessee State. Um, MTSU, I think they only lost four or five games all year. They might have been a little underseeded. And, um, I, I, you know, you saw a 10 seed in Creighton get there last year. I think you see an 11 MTSU this year. And then Iowa, of course, Caitlin Clark. Um, I have them get to the Sweet 16 too. So Stanford, Louisville, Middle Tennessee State, and Iowa. So, yeah, we both picked our upset to go against Iowa, I think, because that's the easy thing because you just have Iowa moving on after that. Right. And if you if yeah. you get it wrong, it doesn't hurt you too bad. But uh, that would hurt me bad because, yeah, it, it, one of us is going to be pretty disappointed after that first game between Colorado and Mississippi or uh, Middle Tennessee State. That's a good first round game. That's two pretty good teams. <laughs> uh, Pauline, your sweet 16 for the Seattle Four region. I stayed safe with it. Oh, she cut out. You loser. What does safe mean? Does that mean just chalk? <laughs> uh, we're going to go with... Oh, she's back. Hold on. <laughs> Two points? All right. What'd you go with? We lost you for a sec. Okay. You said you no, went safe? I played it safe. And I went with Stanford, Texas, Duke, and then Iowa. Yeah, okay. I think that's possible. I, do. I think there's breeding ground for chaos here, but... Definitely Stanford and Iowa are head and shoulders above the rest of this regional. I would be very surprised if that's not the Elite Eight matchup, not to jump ahead. No, yeah, I, I agree. So I think that was that just felt like a safe regional to pick an upset in because yeah. it felt like uh, the Elite Eight was going to play out that way. All right, let's go to the Greenville 2 region. So some more basketball that you guys will get to see in person, hopefully, if uh, things work out. Um, so I, this is the one I went completely chalk on. I went number one, Indiana versus Villanova and number three, LSU versus number two, Utah. Although I think that is one of the best possible matchups of the entire speed 16. If that plays out LSU versus Utah. Yeah. I went full chalk here too. I think this is the most top heavy region. I mean, Indiana has been number two in the polls most of the year behind South Carolina. Obviously LSU got as high as number three and they've only lost twice this season. Utah won the Pac-12. Villanova's got the best pure score in the country. Maddie Seegers led. She scored at least 20 in every single game, led the country in scoring. I guess there's some chaos possibility. Washington State's hot, winning the Pac-12 tournament. Um, can never count out NC State. It's an experienced team, but this feels like the one where you're going to get just a straight one, two, three, four. Pauline, what about you? I've never really seen Utah play. And I'm really just like... I like choosing not really normal ones. So I said Indiana, Villanova, 
LSU, and then NC State. Because yeah, I do that think would, that NC State is a Yep, that'd be the one if I had to choose one of the top four that could lose, get NC State, Utah in the second round. Um, I, I can see that, but I think Utah's to too good. Field, but they'll make it to the Sweet 16. Yep. They're going to be was, shut out immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, I mean, you took more chances than I did for sure. Um, I think history says that uh, one. Of, you're probably going to get one of those right. Um, all right, and then our last region is Seattle three. So round of sixteen matchups. I again went chalk. So this whole side of the bracket, I went completely chalk. Um, Virginia Tech number one versus number four Tennessee, and then Ohio State number three versus number two Connecticut. Yeah, I have all chalk except for one of those. So I do have Virginia Tech and Tennessee in that top part. And then bottom, I have North Carolina. I I just don't think that goes completely chalk. I think Carolina's pretty good. Struggle to score, but defensively very tough. South Carolina saw that last year, that Sweet 16 game. Um, and that defense is carried over. And then UConn coming out of that. So I've got Virginia Tech, Tennessee, North Carolina, UConn. I could definitely see it playing out that way too. Pauline, what about you? So, Virginia Tech, Iowa, ooh, mm. that's, that's Iowa State, yeah. Ohio, UConn. Yeah. yeah. That Iowa State-Tennessee second-round game could be good, but I'm going back to my I'm not trusting the Big 12 thing just because I don't. One's gonna be a, I don't know. I feel like that one's close. I, I also – Plus, like, you get that game in Knoxville. Tennessee's hosting that yeah. regional and I, I like to go with yeah. momentum, especially uh, in basketball tournaments, right, where you're kind of catching uh, lightning in a bottle or whatever. And Tennessee was playing very strong down yep. the stretch here. Charleston came up short, lost by four. Uh, well, Furman's the, the lone hope for the state of South Carolina. I think Furman can win that game Saturday, but we're here. To, we're doing the women's now, but I think Furman can win that game. All right, let's go back to Greenville 1 um, and pick our winners from that Sweet 16. So, spoiler, South Carolina over UCLA, and then I have Maryland over yep. Creighton. So, that's South, South Carolina versus Maryland in the Elite 8 of out of Greenville 1. What about you, Pauline? I said USC and um, – Maryland. So, I mean, didn't you have Maryland losing to Arizona? Oh, wait. Sorry. Are we only on the Sweet 16 right now? Yeah. No, we're on. You're we're on Elite eight. There would be, what did you have? Notre Dame versus Arizona? Because you had, didn't you have Maryland losing? My, I'm I can't hear y'all. I'm breaking up. All right, we'll uh, we'll move on to Seattle four. I mean, I assume you have South Carolina making it past the Elite Elite Eight anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, it yeah. USC and then uh, Maryland are gonna. No. I, oh wait, yeah. No, you are right. You are right. You are right. So I would put USC in Arizona, but then USC is just gonna win. Yeah, that'd be the second like that. year in a row. That'd be the second year in a row that South Carolina draws a low seed in the Elite Eight because they got a ten last year. In this case, they'd be getting what a seven. Uh, I already yeah, Arizona's a seven. The next one. <laughs> um, all right, and then if we look at the uh, Seattle Four region, we got the round of sixteen between Stanford and Texas is what I had, and I have Stanford winning that one, and then I had Iowa versus Colorado, and I have Iowa winning that one. Stanford, so, Iowa. That's clearly yeah. the two best teams there. Good. 
two national player of the year contenders and Brink and Clark. That'd be an awesome game, and I think that we're going to get it. Yeah, so end up chalky there. What about you, Pauline? I did uh, Stanford in Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. That feels pretty I, straightforward. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, it, is, it is definitely tougher with the women's bracket because I think um, most years uh, it gets pretty chalky in the later rounds. Um, whereas the men's bracket sometimes has a little bit more parity in it, but not always, right? Like you said, we've, uh, we saw just last year, South Carolina had to play a seven seed in the round of eight. So, yeah. um, so the Greenville two region or two. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I had straight chalk in the sweet 16 and I have, uh, Indiana beating Villanova, but I do have an upset with LSU making it to the lead eight over Utah. I kept the chalk there too. I I think LSU is going to be a popular pick there. I I don't know if it's the strength of schedule thing because they played a really soft non-conference. I don't know if it's the fact that they lost to the two best teams they've played this year at South Carolina, of course, and Tennessee in the SEC tournament. I still don't trust LSU fully. I think it's telling that they got a three seed with a twenty-nine and two record or whatever it is. I think Utah beats them in Greenville, and you get you get an Indiana Utah lead eight game. I uh, I have SEC bias. You're about to see it even heavier in the next one. So, um, <laughs> uh, Pauline, I think I know uh, where you're going. I, yeah. But yeah, you're Greenville to uh, round of eight. Indian LSU. Yeah. But uh, wait, so well, I don't I don't want LSU. I know exactly what you're saying for your next pick. I know exactly what you're gonna say and. I don't. I don't know if I want to see that again. <laughs> I might yeah, want to I mean, see Indiana, but I don't want to skip ahead yet. So, we'll, yeah, but Indiana and LSU. Okay, and then in your Seattle three, which is the last side of the bracket for this one, I had Virginia Tech versus Tennessee, and I had Ohio State versus Connecticut, and I have Tennessee moving on to Virginia Tech. Like I said, SEC bias. And then I have Connecticut beating Ohio State. So I got Tennessee, Connecticut in that Elite Eight, which could be a fun game. I don't even think that's SEC bias. I got that too. I think Tennessee's better than Virginia Tech, at least more talented. They, I think Tennessee played a much tougher schedule that knocked the resume. They've got more losses, but they've been definitely playing their best ball of the season lately, as you said. I think Virginia Tech's a weaker one seed. We were all kind of surprised that they were that third one seed ahead of Stanford. Um, and I think on a neutral court, Tennessee's more talented and playing better lately, and I think wins that game. And I agree. I think UConn gets the Elite Eight. And then, Pauline, your Seattle three. Uh, elite Eight. Okay. Being from Connecticut, I should be, like, pro-UConn, but I'm not. <laughs> you pick Ohio State? Um, yeah, I did. That would snap the streak. UConn's been to 14 straight Final Fours. But it's March Madness. It is. Madness. I mean, they're going to miss one eventually. They're not going to go to 50 straight Final Fours. They're going to they're going to miss one eventually. I did low-key purposely choose matchups that I had like a 50-50 gut feeling on because my gut feelings are over. You're getting that 50-50 so like, point of the point of proceedings anyway. Hey, that would that would be entertaining for sure. 
Yeah. I mean, I I, I know that they haven't missed a Final Four in 14 years. I don't even know the last time they missed an Elite Eight, UConn. All right. And then just to, okay. just to speed things along, go, I'm going to give you my Final Four and my championship, and then we can yeah. pick the winner. Yep. Uh, so from the Greenville 1 region, I have South Carolina beating Maryland. From the Seattle 4 region, I have Stanford beating Iowa. So that would be a Stanford versus South Carolina matchup. Uh, from the Greenville 2 region, I have Indiana beating LSU. But it, yeah, I was kind of close to picking LSU there. And from the Seattle 3 region, I do have UConn beating Tennessee. So you got UConn versus Indiana on the other side. So that's my final four of South Carolina, Stanford, Indiana, Connecticut. What's your final four, Alan? Exact same final four, and you can ask other people. I can't verify they're not here. That was my final four preseason. I got lucky they ended up in four different regions. But my preseason final four was, and I think I put it on Twitter today, was South Carolina, Indiana, UConn, and Stanford. I think they've been the four best teams all year, and that's what you're going to end up in with in Dallas. Pauline, final four? Hopefully y'all can hear me, but my connection's not too good right now. They're good. You we can hear you. South Carolina. What's the final four? Okay. Okay. So I said, this is, this is, I said, USC, Indiana. Oh, she cut out. We, had, we heard South Carolina, Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> All right. Well, I assume Stanford, and then she didn't pick Connecticut on the other side. So it would be Ohio State or um, whatever. Oh, you you're back. Well, all right, we heard South Carolina, Indiana. South Carolina, Indiana. Yeah. You good? <laughs> Pauline, can you hear us? I don't think she can. All right. Uh, well, so I assume Stanford and what did the Ohio State was the other one that she had? Uh, she had a Virginia Tech versus Ohio State in the Elite Eight. So okay. I don't know what that pick was, but. Okay. Well, you and I can keep going. Um, so the finals, then I have South Carolina versus Connecticut. But I will uh, put that with the caveat that I think South Carolina and Stanford is the de facto national yes. champion. Yes. I, I think we said that like November when we watched those two teams play each other. That game went to overtime. Those are the two best teams, I think. I think Stanford is the worst matchup for South Carolina. That's. I've said for a couple of months that South Carolina is either winning the national title or losing to Stanford. I don't think anybody else can beat them. Um, I, yeah, and I, I agree. I think UConn with a healthy AZ FUD just changes everything. It's the best player. She was in hurt most of the year. She got healthy, and they blitzed through the Big East tournament with her healthy. I think that's the second best team. Maybe not a matchup with South Carolina, but the second most talented team with a healthy AZ FUD. And uh, Pauline, it, I think, gave up on the internet part, but she did just she's text texting her us for <laughs> Yeah, so she said South Carolina, Indiana, uh, Indiana, Iowa, and Ohio State. So I think a lot of people have got a very big heavy ten big ten. Yeah. yeah, I think. I mean, they, they've been the best conference all year. I think a lot of people would love that South Carolina Iowa game just to settle the Aaliyah Boston Caitlin Clark thing once and for all on the court. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but I think if you're South Carolina, you want you'd, you'd rather see Iowa than Stanford. Yeah, and then I'm assuming that she's got South Carolina versus Indiana, Indiana probably in the title probably. game, which would be fun. I would like to see that's that I mean, that's been one two most of the season. Um, 
And I, I and you did you pick South Carolina to win the national title? Because I did. I did, yeah, over UConn. Pick them till someone beats them. That's kind of my philosophy. It's what I did last year too. Um, when they they've beat every all those teams that are populated in the rest of my Final Four. Um, so yeah, you for, could. I didn't think about this, but you if that path breaks that way or a certain way, you could have the last four games all against teams they played in the regular season: UCLA, Maryland, Stanford, and UConn. Yeah, which that is something I really, and maybe it's because you can predict uh, who's going to be good in women's basketball a little bit better. But women's basketball does a good job of uh, matching up the top key regular season games. Yeah, exactly. Um, across conference and uh, men's basketball doesn't always do that as well. But um, really quick, South Carolina obviously did not make it to the uh, <laughs> to any sort of uh, postseason play for uh, men's basketball. Um, we do have a ongoing portal article on ongamecockscoop.com that's kind of talking about some of the turnover and some of the the guys that are currently in um as far as people that have left uh trayvon minot um J- javin benson and then today daniel hank and sanford are the three scholarship guys yeah and ford cooper jr not on wasn't on scholarship but is also in the transfer portal now too right and then south carolina obviously hasn't brought anyone in yet but there's a pretty extensive list of names that they've reached out to most right now are and there are some people on our board that were a little bit disappointed in the names, but most right now are from the SoCon or from lower level. There's a kid from Brown, kid from Wofford, kid from uh, Citadel again. Um, but keep in mind, like there's still teams playing right now. Yeah, there's basketball going on as we speak, and I think I made this point last week. The more teams that start losing, the more names are going to hit the portal once their seasons are over. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, hope you got to hope that Lamont Paris has a little bit more of a runway this offseason, because if you think about it, he was still coaching at UT Chattanooga this weekend last year. Um, so he's already making contact with people that he wasn't able to make contact with at this point last year. So hopefully that running start uh, helps things out. Um we haven't heard official word on GG Jackson yet, but I would lean towards he's not going to come back. Uh, he's yeah, and you think about that. I said this to someone else today. You take those four guys in the portal, Hayden Brown's out of eligibility, GG Jackson could be gone. You're talking about six guys returning over there. I mean, that's half a roster, really, um, plus whatever else happens. You're, this is going to be an almost completely different looking team next year. Right, which if you do things right, uh, it's going to – it, it could be good because I think, figure the, it out. That's... I think the pieces that you're keeping are all the best pieces that you could have realistic, realistically sure. kept. I um, mean, unless we get some surprises, obviously. Right. Um, but uh, as of right now, we think Michi Johnson is going to be back. He already said he is. Yeah. We think Jacoby Wright's going to be back. And we think, um, I believe he also said he is already. Um, yeah. And Josh Gray, right. Josh Gray, Chico yeah. Carter Jr. is going to be back and hopefully healthy next year. Obviously he missed a lot of time with a knee injury this year, but you take that four, you take a, Michi, maybe they wouldn't all start. It's kind of guard heavy, but a Michi, Chico, Jacoby, Josh Gray, blank starting five. You can work with that depending on who fills the fifth spot, but you need more depth. Obviously that's just killed them in so many games this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, For those of you that were wondering, Pauline did just send in her uh, final four matchup. So she thinks Iowa wins, South Carolina wins, and then South Carolina wins over Iowa. Which that'd be a fun game. 
Uh, I would like yeah. to see that game too. Um, do you have a men's final four? We have that on the sheet just quickly. You're not going to do the whole bracket for Travis yeah, Klein is not in, but uh, Furman is my national champion. Yes. Go Paladins. <laughs> um, one six of the way there. Yeah. So my final four ended up a little bit weird, I guess, because of my SEC bias again. Um, I had Tennessee, Alabama, um, Kansas, and Texas. And then Trust I had Rick Barnes in March, are we? <laughs> yeah. Seems dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then I had Kansas and Alabama in the championship game with Kansas taken at home. What about you? Back to back. That's, I couldn't do the back to back thing with Kansas. Um, and I also think they're playing the toughest region. I put Alabama in the final four, Texas. I got that same two as you Marquette coming out of that bottom left region. I can't think of what is labeled now. And I actually have UConn. I always try to go with one force. I think UConn's really good. They were underseeded. Um, I think they're Ken Palms, like top five in the country. Um, I think that's I think it's the toughest region, the most fun region by far. You've got Kansas, UCLA, UConn, Gonzaga in the same bracket. Um, kind of a bracket of death there. But I think UConn gets out of it and Bama ends up winning the national title. I think without fail, you, you mentioned Marquette getting there. Uh, without fail, I never pick these like basketball-heavy schools. Um, and it, it has, you know, bit me uh, in the butt before, like, one Villanova won it or whatever. Sure, there's two of them, yeah. But I, I don't know. I think it's. I don't know like, what's big of that region. I don't trust Purdue. They don't have good enough guard play. I don't think Kansas State's a Final Four team. I kind of just pick Marquette by default. I don't trust Rick Barnes, like I said. I've seen a lot of Duke picks out of there. They're a five seed. But they're, they're a trendy five seed because of the name and the fact that they won the ACC tournament. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think Duke yeah. plays tonight in couple hours, actually. Which them them getting hot, like I said, that does go back to that theory I said um, about the Tennessee women. Um, it does matter when you're playing your best basketball, for sure, in a tournament. Duke is right now, yeah. Um, and then really quickly before we get out of here, baseball. Like I said, this week is insane. Baseball opens up SEC play this weekend at uh, Georgia in Athens. Um, anything that you're kind of looking for? Forward to there any concerns coming out of the non-con obviously they handled the non-con about no non-con concerns you can't i mean you can't do much better than 17 and one um pitching roles is kind of my thing this weekend now that you're in sec play now that you're managing weekend series against much better competition who pitches obviously the starters are the same that's been announced sanders hall mahoney who pitches where in relief he's still doing a james hicks kind of piggyback thing on sundays where does Jerzenbeck fit? Because he didn't pitch in the midweek this week. He's rested, obviously. Kingston said he wants Eli Jones to throw this weekend. Where does he fit in the plans? Um, I just kind of want to see who pitches where as much as anything. And I also think when you're on the road in the SEC, I think it's important to remember two out of three is fine. I know Georgia's not great. Georgia's not a ranked team right now. But on the road in the SEC, two out of three is fine. That'll get you where you need to go. And if you're South Carolina, that's should that should be the expectation this weekend. They're a more talented yeah. team than Georgia. They should win this series, but I don't think they're going to sweep it. No, yeah, I do think you not necessarily hit the panic button if you don't win the series, but it, uh, people are going to chirp on our board a little bit. If it's don't. easy to – it's one of those things where you, you clean up the non-con 17 out of 18 against no real competition other than the Clemson series, and then you lose your first SEC series to a team that's not bad. They're not the worst team in the SEC, but definitely not. They're not LSU. They're not Vanderbilt. They're not Tennessee. You lose that series, people are going to start asking questions, I think. And it would just throw more pressure on the next series and obviously just early in SEC. They need to get off to a good start. That was kind of my other thing. They 
Don't remember, they were 0-4 to start SEC play last year. They got swept that opening weekend. They lost the opener of the next series. They were behind the eight ball from the jump last year in SEC play, and I don't think they can afford to do that again. And the schedule helps them not do that again because, like I said, you're not playing LSU or Vanderbilt this weekend. You've got Georgia. Yeah, and one more quick pitching note. You mentioned uh, Eli Jones. You just put out this stat in a uh, article that you wrote on Tuesday, um, which you can find on GamecockScoop.com. But he's pitched in four midweeks so far and only has allowed two earned runs in 14 and two-thirds innings, and South Carolina has won all those games. Now, granted, the level of competition hasn't been that crazy, but – um, it's good to have a guy like that uh, pitching in the midweek. You know That matters, though. I actually thought Kingston, just to quickly go back, he had a very telling quote Tuesday. He, I asked him about, you know, because Jones, the last two midweeks, he's gone in relief and he started, but he's pitched a lot in both. What's kind of his role is what I asked him. And he said that they wanted him and Matthew Becker, who also who started the midweek Tuesday against Presbyterian, to both say under 50 pitches. And they both finished at 47 because they want them to throw this weekend in Athens. And I just kind of started thinking about that, like, and you would you would know better. You were here this time last year. They didn't even have enough arms to survive midweeks. Now, not only do they have enough, they have enough arms to save guys for the weekends and still be okay in the midweeks, at least so far. No, that's going to be huge. Um, obviously, they are hitting home runs at a ridiculous clip right now. Um, they're not leading the country still, but they're still up there. They're up there, yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's going to help a lot. And they didn't have that last season, although they were, you know, still hitting some early season home runs. But, um, yeah, by this point, you already were down um, Mahoney, who I think had mm-hmm. gotten injured for the season. Jones. Um, yeah, exactly. So, I you're in a much better position pitching-wise. Even You could even afford an injury or two now. Don't, um, why would you no. say that? Like, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying that they're going to have them. I'm just saying – uh, the depth is yeah no for sure and um, this is where it starts I mean it's a 30 game SEC schedule we did predictions before the year I think you said 17 and 13 um, is that still where you are with this 30 game starting tomorrow uh, you higher game, I might be a little bit higher but it's it's really hard to tell because they haven't really been tested so yeah. I'm I'm really interested to see this weekend how they look against an SEC team uh, bottom of this you know bottom quarter of the SEC. It, yeah, I don't know. But probably if you're doing power rankings, probably like ninth or 10th, maybe of the right. 14. But I mean, that's probably around where Clemson would be too. So this yep. is and it's a road series. Like I said, that's never easy in the SEC. So if you go to Athens and take two out of three this weekend. I think you're feeling more validated about things, I would say. Definitely. And then it gets much more difficult. So. You get the zoo next week also. I will say that. And that's probably the worst team in the SEC, at least talent wise and on paper. And they were last place in the league last year. So it's a nice soft start these first two weekends. You really should be taking four out of six, probably five out of six, if you want to feel really good about things these next two weekends. Uh, but we'll get into the Mizzou series and breaking down what happened in Athens more next week. And I do think if you do that, um, just momentum and mm-hmm. RPI and the polls and all of that, uh, if you go 14 and 16 or better uh, down the stretch or whatever, then I think you're probably okay because you – started so high that it's hard to fall <laughs> yeah i think obviously 14 is your minimum anything less than that you're probably not getting in the field 15 makes you safe you see if you can get to that 17 number you talked about maybe you start talking about hosting now obviously if you're above 17 that's a terrific season and you're probably hosting at least the first round the regional I think, I think if you get to 17 you're probably hosting more than anything because they know people show up 
South Carolina. That matters, yeah. Yeah. Um, any other baseball notes before we get out of here? There was one more football thing I wanted. Oh, to- yeah. I had one more baseball note, but get to the football. Um, the Greenville News, I'll give them a shout out. Yep, uh, Emily, yep officially kind of released some of the details on the three suspended players. We've known this for a long time, but we were trying to, we we tried to point you in the right direction to find the information yourself because it was in the public record and the police records and stuff. Um, But essentially uh, Anthony Rose had a concealed weapon on campus. Was it a dorm room? Yes. Um, 650 Lincoln street was in the police report. Yeah, that um, got found out by, you know, an RA or whatever. And then he tried to get Monique Rames and Cam Upshaw to help him conceal it. And that's what ultimately got those three suspended. Um, They've spoken a few times about the possibility of them coming back. And so far, every time it's come up, Shane Beamer's like, it's they're going through the process before they even worry about it, which to me sounds like they're probably handling all the legal stuff. And then yeah, if there's, a, if there's a path back, they'll start to figure it out from there. Um, but yeah, as of now, all three guys gone. Doesn't seem like there's a they're going to be back this spring at the very least. Certainly wouldn't think so. Now the spring ball's already out. started. It's only a month of spring ball. The spring game's in less than a month now. So Yeah, so, so just wanted to update everyone on that. We didn't want to be the first people to say it, um, but now that someone else has said it, I don't mind talking about it a little bit. Yeah, my one other baseball note. GameGuckScoop.com. Ethan Petri profiled him, talked to his parents. He just, this freshman came in, didn't know where he'd play, just red hot start to the year. He's got six homers already. He's leading the team in batting average. If you want to know more about him, how some phone calls with his brother in the fall kind of fixed his swing when he was struggling in the scrimmages, um, the, the MLB superstar he worked out with in high school, some more info on Ethan Petri on the website that I think some of you baseball people will enjoy. And that's about all I have for this week. Yep, we'll have a preview of Norfolk State posted first thing tomorrow. You will have live coverage of Norfolk State. I will be at CLA afternoon. Um, we will have coverage of the baseball series. One quick note on the baseball series tomorrow morning. We should know whether or not the weather is going to affect things. Um, they are calling for some thunderstorms Friday afternoon, so it's possible there could be a doubleheader Saturday. Um, but that'll be announced first thing tomorrow. Um, and then weekly recruiting wrap up should be posted tomorrow as well. Enjoy some basketball over the next few days. Yeah. Um, men's women's, uh, this is the most, uh, uh, I don't know where the statistic came from. Um, but this is the weekend the, this and the master's weekend are the weekend that, uh, men get, uh, their, their boys snipped, uh, the most because it gives you an excuse to sit around for four days. So huh. yeah. All right. And on that note, we are out of here. All right. Enjoy sitting around. <laughs> Hopefully you didn't have to go through that to sit around and watch <laughs> basketball, but if you did uh good time to do it, I guess. All right. Uh, <laughs> until next time, this has been the Gamecockscoop.com podcast. We will see you later.